Good morning. morning. Grace and peace to you. Don, thanks for the songs. Found some good ones. (laughs) I want to thank uh, Mike and Don for filling in last week when we were privileged to be off and have some vacation time. Mike did mention his lesson last week about the men's training, and I want to encourage all the brothers to consider uh, what would be a good time during the week to have that. You know, schedules are very mixed and uh, changing all the time, and so uh, I might be coming around to ask each one of you when would be a good time for you, and one night during the week, Saturday morning, Sunday afternoon, what would work for you. So uh, please be considering that. I had not planned to talk about Noah and his ark, but many of you know we went to Hebron, Kentucky to see the ark encounter, as it's called, the the recreation, uh, at least in uh, one man's mind, of the ark in in full size. And... uh, It was inspiring to me. It was uh, informative and thought-provoking. And so uh, I feel that the Lord moved me to at least to to use this lesson to to talk about that and some of the thoughts that came to my mind in regard to the ark. Uh, It made me consider and understand that, that we're all builders. God has put building things in the history of mankind from the beginning. He uh, was a builder from the beginning, a creator, wasn't he? He brought all this into existence. He created all this from nothing. He called Noah to build the ark, Moses to build the tabernacle, Solomon the temple, Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. Christ said, I will build my church, which he's still building. And you and I are builders as well, and we'll see that later on in the lesson. In all of this building, I identified four common threads, and there may be more. And I think these are really important for us to remember. God doesn't have us do things just for fun, you know, just to keep us busy. Sometimes we think some things are busy work, you know, uh, where we work or whatever. But God doesn't do that to us. Everything he asks us to do is important, it's vital, and often life and death. So there's always a need that God identifies, a need to build. And God is usually the one that identifies that need. Then there is a call. He calls someone to build. He says, you need to build this. You need to do this. Then he gives instructions on how to build so that the building, whatever is being built, is done the right way to satisfy the need of the hour for the reason for which it's being built. But then, as we understand and know about God, 
for those who build and build the right way, there are great blessings because you built whatever you were supposed to build in the right way. There are tremendous blessings that God gives because you build correctly. So we're going to focus on Noah and the ark here, but we're, from time to time we might mention some of these other concepts of building, and we certainly will when we wrap this up. And as you can see, I, there are a few scriptures there I thought I would catch up from last time because we didn't have very many. <laughs> so, but don't worry, you can see they're all, they all just kind of follow through the, uh, the story of Noah there in Genesis. So, but let's look first of all, there was a need identified by God in regard to the ark. Okay, a need identified. Genesis 6, 5 through 7, and then 11 and 12. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, up to this time, since, the, as it's called, the fall of man, the sin of Adam and Eve, and they were taken out of the garden, Man just kind of was on his own. Yeah, there were a few guidelines that God had given man that you can kind of read between the lines about, uh, you know, not to, to kill one another and things like that. But he really had not established any kind of firm law. That came along with Moses at Sinai. And so man was just kind of just drifting along, and we see what man does when man has no guidance. I think that is a great lesson for us to really see here with this generation of Noah. Their wickedness was complete, total. They were lost and gone. Verse 6 says, The Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Here's another great verse for us to understand our God doesn't say he was angry, does it? Now, that's not to say that he wasn't upset and angry with man for being wicked and doing evil things. It said he was grieved. He was upset. The New Testament speaks of us grieving the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? It says not to do that. You see, it hurts God to see people hurting themselves and hurting others because he never designed us or planned for us to do that. He always only meant good for us. And if we don't follow his ways, his word, then what? We're going to end up hurting ourselves and hurting other people. It's just natural. You cannot avoid it. And so here God is grieved in his heart because man is evil and wicked continuously. So verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things, the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. I'm sorry. It hurts me too much to see what they do. The evil, you know, that's opposed to the righteousness of God. The violence, they're hurting one another. 
and the corruption, the corruption of God's purpose for man. You're doing wrong. You're doing evil. You know, it should really hurt us. You know, we see at times in the paper and on the news all the time anymore, it seems like shootings and, uh, you know, people dealing drugs and all these crimes. You know, we get upset. We get angry. That person, you know, they should get what they deserve. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be justice, okay? There shouldn't be justice. But we should also see, when we look at people that are perpetrating these evils, wow. They got caught in Satan's web. They got deceived. They, they got crushed somewhere along the line. And they got off the track. We should see that. And when we have opportunity to help someone who is caught up in these things, that's what we should see and understand. And pray, as Paul wrote to Timothy, that Maybe God will grant them repentance because that's what we really want for them to come out of these things and stop doing these things, hurting themselves and hurting other people. 11 and 12. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked on the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. So here was... The need, God says, you know, I've had enough of this. My heart is grieved. So verses 8 and 9, God has a plan. He, he sees what he's going to do about it. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. God chooses to salvage, if you will, the human race through Noah. We were talking about this in our Bible class this morning. It was kind of like he's going to start over again. A new order of things. All of the wickedness and the evil is going to be destroyed, and we're going to have Noah and just these few animals back, and we're going to kind of start over. And there's going to be a new covenant, and then there's going to be some new laws given to man whereby to live. Noah says he was a righteous man, as opposed to the wickedness that was around him. He was blameless in his time. That means he was a complete man. He was a good man. You know, he had no uh, continuing faults. Not, this is not to say he was without sin. And it says he walked with God. We read about that with Enoch. In the previous chapter, chapter 5, I think, of Genesis, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Noah walked with God as well. And I think that's what we're all called to do as Christians today, to walk with God, to walk with Christ. That he is our Savior, our Lord, our life, our guide, our comforter, our helper, and, you know, our daily bread. That's what Christ is. But Noah found favor, or as some translations have their grace, which I think is probably a better word that connects us with the rest of Scripture. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And once again, this is always about God's grace. As we said, Noah wasn't sinless. God did not have to save Noah. God did not have to save the human race. 
but it was in his plan from the beginning in one way or another to bring the Christ so he saw the need to save the race at this point and he did it through Noah this is God's grace in action the ark is God's grace in action so here was the need the corruption of man and God says I gotta kinda start over and I'm gonna use Noah to do that so then there's the call Verse 13 of chapter 6, God said to Noah. Now, I don't know how he did that. Did he speak to him from a cloud? Was it a vision? We're not told. But it just says, God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them from the earth. All right, so he shares his plan with Noah, I'm going to destroy all the earth, meaning all the people. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Verse 17, Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. This is God's remedy. The destruction of all flesh. And God will be taking an active part in doing that. He will be the one to bring the flood and remove the wickedness from the earth, the wicked people. You know, we might argue and say, wow, that's pretty extreme, Lord. You know, we don't know how many people were on the earth at that time. Uh, it would not have been billions, I don't think. Maybe millions, it's hard to say. That was early on. But still, nevertheless, it was a great number of people. What was God's thinking? I don't know everything about God's thinking, but probably the way he is depicting that the people's thoughts were evil continually, every intent of their heart was evil, he's probably thinking they're just too far gone and there's nothing I can do to bring them back. So I just have to get rid of them. That's what comes to my mind. That these people could not write their own ship, if you would allow me to say it that way. They just could not. Too evil. Too corrupt. So God calls Noah to build the ark. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. That's both a warning and a way of escape. It's a call to action, isn't it? You want to be saved, you're my man. I'm going to start over with you. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. We don't know yet what gopher wood is. Nobody does. So you can speculate all you want about that. You know, I had this thought. And this is one of the things, you know, when you, you ponder these things, you see that giant ark and how big it is. Why didn't God just zap all the evil people? Don't you think he could have done that? Don't you think he could have sent a plague on all the evil people and they would have died of something horrible? Don't you think he could have done that? 
Yes, no. Absolutely. And why, you know, if he wanted to do it by a flood, why couldn't he just levitate Noah and all the animals he wanted to keep, just levitate them? I'll just hold you up here while I, I clean off the earth, wash them all away. You know, we'll kind of put you in a little uh, coma or freeze zone or whatever you want to say. And then when it's all gone, I'll just put you back down. Didn't God do that? Sure he could. So why does he have Noah build an ark? That it looks like according to the scripture, it took him about a hundred years to do that. Well, I think that means that God is working with us in this battle against evil. That we have a part to play. I think that's really what that means. You know, God is just not up there doing all this for us. We have got to respond in the right way. We have a part to play. You can see that all through Scripture, we have a part to play. God is just not going to reach down, save this guy, you know, he doesn't even know he's saved, he's going to go to life eternal. It's not going to happen that way. What if Noah refused to build the ark? What if Noah thought God was pulling his leg? Let's go to Hebrews 11. If you, if you read carefully through Scripture, and you know I'm always the one to say, read the Scripture, study it out from front to back. Noah is in a lot of places. Jesus talked about Noah. Peter talked about Noah. The Hebrew writer talks about Noah. Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. You know what he hadn't ever seen yet? Rain. It had not rained on the earth yet. There had been no flood on the earth yet, ever. God says, I'm going to cause a flood. And Noah's thinking, what on earth is that? By faith. Because God said it. Because God said it, Noah believed it. And so he built. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world. Interesting turn of the phrase, but it shows he was obedient to God and his obedience condemned the world because the world would not listen to God. The world walked away from God and was wicked. He became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Same righteousness that Abraham received when Abraham looked at the stars and said, yeah, Lord, I believe my descendants will be such. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, if Noah refused the ark, to build the ark, if he did not have the faith to believe in God, guess what? We would all be in trouble. We wouldn't be here. Now, I'm sure God would have found another way, but nevertheless, we need to see that it was through this one man, right at that point in time, 
that the human race was salvaged and why you and I are here. And we really need to see that you, at some point in your life, may well be called and probably will be called to be the one person to save somebody, to do something. You know, it's not going to be something like Noah Noah building this ark. But within your own family, within your own circle, within your own area of influence, God is going to call you and maybe calling you right now, you are the person that I want to do this. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. We really have to think about these things. And we have to step out in faith. God's calling me. I've got to go talk to that person. I've got to talk to my son. I've got to talk to my husband. I've got to talk to this co-worker. I've got to help this person. I've got to help this family. We get those things in our hearts, don't we? In our minds. Don't we? The thought goes through. We see the need. How many of us respond to the need or just brush it off and say, oh, next time. Oh, somebody else will do it. No. No, that's a call from God. When you see a need, you need to respond in faith. So, there's a great need. God sees the need. He calls Noah to build the ark. That's his remedy. There are instructions. Genesis 6, let's go to 14 and 16. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. That's how we're going to handle this flood thing And as I bring the destruction on all the wicked people. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Let's just stop there for a moment. Uh, What if Noah ignored some of those words? I was thinking, I wrote, what if he didn't use pitch? I was thinking today, we all see these Flex Seal commercials. You get your gallons of Flex Seal and get out there and it says inside and out, doesn't it? This is one of the things that came to my mind when I saw that arc and the size of it. I said, are you kidding me? They had to put pitch on that thing inside and out. That would be a huge task. Unbelievable. You see how long that is and how high that is? How did they get up there to do that? Inside and out. Where did they get it? This is one of the things that that really caused me to think, how did they do that? You know, we're not getting a lot of the details here how they did this. But they did it. And it just makes you think. And, of course, God has given man the ability to think and to solve problems and to build. Right? He's given us that. We've seen that. You know, the Egyptians and the pyramids and other places. He's given us those talents and those skills. But they did that with the ark inside and out. 
300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. The boys with, what is that, football field and a half? Is that what it was? Something like that. I, uh, you know, you get your souvenirs. This uh, is representative of a cubit, Noah's cubit. It's about 20 inches. The little thing on the box said, you know, there were different cubits, and we do see, even see that in the Bible. There was a royal cubit, a little bit longer. And you can just see him. They, they probably had a measuring stick. I'm sure they did they, to do their building. Seeing laying that thing out 300 cubits long. 300. And then 50 wide and 30 high. And just taking his stick and as he measured it out after plank by plank and beam by beam and how they cut them all and fit them together and hmm. It, it just, it's inspiring. They did it by faith. And you can imagine, you know, if what if he had not done it right? It would have failed, right? It would have failed. It would have gone down. Uh, let's, 18 to 21, I will establish my covenant with you. You shall enter the ark, you and your sons, your wife, your sons and wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, the birds, verse 20. 21, as for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be for food for you and for them. They had this depicted on the ark as well. Uh, on the sides, just like bins filled with, with bags like of grain and boxes, crates and water, huge water jars. You never ponder how, how much did they need? And how did they actually do that? And how long did it take them to grow that? To plan that whole thing out? To get that on there? By faith. They worked. They worked hard. They worked a long time. And, you know, it's been speculated, you know, they must have had some, some people coming by and saying, ha, huh, what are you doing? What is this thing? Well, it's an ark. What, what, what's it for? Well, there's going to be a great flood on the earth. What's that? Well, it's water. Well, you know, where, where's that coming from? You know, you're crazy, no? Been building it for 50 years. Where's the flood? You know, where? What's what's happening here? Yeah, you're getting that up there, but what's the deal? You know, thinking about our own selves. Sometimes we get ridiculed for, yeah, why don't you just give up this faith thing, you know, and just have fun with your life. And, you know, uh, there is no Christ. He's not coming back. That's first, Second Peter chapter 3, right? Where's the promise of his coming? Why don't you just, you know, let's just go and have fun tonight. By faith, I believe God. Verse 22 of chapter 6, Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Wow. 
Talk about attention to detail. Getting it right. People's lives hung in the balance. The human race hung in the balance. Noah got it right. We're the same way. Our souls hang in the balance. Are we answering the call? Are we building? Are we following the instructions? Or are we just kind of playing at it a little bit, you know? Not really taking it seriously. The blessings. Genesis 7, you know, I'm, I'm rushing through this. I, mean, I encourage you to read these, like, four chapters here. Six through nine. The water came, the heavens were opened up, and so forth. Verse 17, the flood came upon the earth for 40 days. The water increased, lifted up the ark so that it rose above the water. It held the pitch. It was watertight. Noah did his job well. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. Verse 21, all flesh that moved on the earth perished, just as God said he would do. Birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind and all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. And they were blotted out from the earth. But only Noah was left, together with those that were with him in the ark. That's the first blessing, life. They lived. They survived the flood. They survived the destruction. This is what happens when you walk with God, follow his ways. We survive the destruction. We live. You get life. And that's what it's about. Not the second death, but life. God makes promises and a new covenant with Noah and all mankind. I don't have time to go through all that from 8.20 to 9.17. I'm going to bounce through here. Noah comes out of the ark and he offers sacrifice to God. He's thanksgiving and praise. Verse 21, the Lord smelled the aroma and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. I'll not do it. I will never again destroy every living thing as I've done by water. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. As a promise from God, as a result of the flood and of Noah's faithful building, that that will always be until the end. Then we can go on to see there uh, in... Uh, Verse 3 of chapter 9, every moving thing is alive shall be food for you. This is where we, we change from vegetarians to being carnivores. You're now allowed to eat meat. Uh, don't eat the blood and so forth. And then we have the, uh, the covenant of the rainbow. 
verse 9, or verse 12. This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations that you and me. That's your dog and your cat. And your cow and your goat if you got one. God's making a promise, this covenant. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Verse 16, when the bow is in the cloud, I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God says, I will look upon it. I think God's been busy looking at rainbows lately. But he promised to do that. And when you look on it, God's looking on it. That should give you a thrill. It really should. It's true. It's from ages long ago, but it's still true. God makes promises to us. That is just so fantastic and exciting, and what a God we have. What a God. Okay, let's go to Matthew 7. Talk a little bit about building your ark. From the songs that Don led, you probably know where we're going. You're not going to necessarily build an ark, but you are going to build a house or a life. Because we're called to build. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wraps it up. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them... There's a call, there's a need. Save yourselves from this untoward generation, Paul wrote. Respond to the gospel. Follow Christ. Do his will. You know, that's our part. We're not saving ourselves in the sense that we are somehow become making ourselves sinless, but we're just responding to the call of the cross. Save yourself. Do what you need to do. Like Noah responded. If God had never talked to Noah, he would never have known what to do, would he? He wouldn't have known what to do. He wouldn't have known there was a flood coming. But God talked to him, and God talks to us through the Word, the Bible, through Jesus Christ. Save yourselves. There's a great day of destruction coming. Walk with me. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You are building a house. It's called your life. It's called your life. How are you building? What are you building? What's it look like? Is it strong? Built on the rock? Is it straight? According to the Instructions of God? Or are you just kind of building the way you want to build? The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Strong through all types of storms and trouble and certainly strong through the end, through the dying time. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them or do them that would be not acting by faith, 
just saying, oh, another time, no, it's not true, no, I don't care, or whatever. It will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. Notice, they, those will come to everybody, those who follow God and those who do not. It's not a remedy to avoid trouble. God never promised that. But the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So there is a need to be saved. There is a call by God through Christ Jesus in the gospel. Be saved. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. There's the call. There are instructions. We, we don't have time, but there are instructions on how to be saved and how to walk after we are saved and the kind of people we are to be. They're there. Quite clear. And they're a great blessing. You have an abundant life. You'll serve the Lord and blessings later in life eternal. Each of us is building a life. Each of us in some way is building a family. You have a spouse and children. And each of us as Christians help to build a congregation. Yes, you do. We're not to be simply attendees attenders, that we're to be builders in the church, serving and helping one another. 1 Peter 3, as we wrap this up, and as we do, offer the invitation that, you know, there's, there's no uh, demand in Scripture that an invitation be offered after any lesson. But we do that most of the time. See if you've been touched by the words of God. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that's you and me, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, waiting and waiting and waiting for evidently some more people to come and say, Noah, I want to be part of this. I want to be on your ark. But evidently nobody else came. in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves us. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, we talk about a new beginning. That in Christ Jesus we die, right? We die with him, Romans chapter 6. And we are raised with him to a new life, free of sin. The flood removed the wickedness from the earth. That's what Peter's talking about there. All the evil was washed away, and the earth and the human race started over. 
And that's what he's saying in baptism. It's not about getting wet or removing dirt from your body. But it's about being cleansed of sin. Because the blood of Christ in baptism washes us clean. And we are forgiven of all sin. And we begin our walk with him. If you've been moved by the story of Noah and Noah's faith. And you want to start building on that rock. Because you know destruction is coming. We're here to help you this morning, to baptize you into Christ. Yeah, it's just the beginning, but it is a must. It's part of the instructions of God. If you are a Christian, and you've been building haphazardly, you've just been not attentive to your life, uh, you really need to think about Noah and his ark and uh, make some changes. If you'd like for us to pray with you this morning for any reason, we're here to assist you, like Mike said last week. There's phone numbers in the bulletin if you just want to call and make an appointment or talk on the phone or some people just don't want to come up in the front, but we're here to help. Brother Don, would you please lead us?